let's open our Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to read until 38. If you are able to stand with us, please do so in reading God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am, an angel, I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and there is a sixth month with her was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angels departed from her. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Um, uh, There have been a lot of unusual uh, births in the human history, but nothing like the birth of Jesus. A lot of miraculous birth, and maybe some of you are children of miracle babies. But there's only one immaculate conception. Isaac, born to Sarah through natural means, they conceived Isaac, and that is seen as a miraculous birth. Hannah's birth to the prophet Samuel, that is seen as a miraculous birth. But the virgin birth is like no other birth. It isn't humanly possible. It isn't biologically possible. It just is the immaculate conception. Uh, The virgin birth of Jesus is not just spectacular, although it is, uh, but something that is truly divine. And Gabriel, a messenger from God, visits a small little town, no more than 50 to 100, a place called Nazareth. Now we see in our text today some important people that come, and we have to kind of know who they are. Mary probably, as you might have heard if you've been coming to church long enough, that she would be anywhere from 13 to 17 years old. So she was biologically ready and socially ready to be pregnant. She, in the text here today, seems to be a very humble and a spiritually uh, right person that has a spiritual bent and loves God. And even though she is young, you can tell that she has been following the word and knowing God in a very intimate way. Now, Joseph is the fiancé, and he, as we know, is the carpenter. And the word carpenter in Greek comes from the word technon. And we picture him with a wood and hammer and making wonderful things that we all use in our daily living. But the technon, the word technon is actually a word that's more better translated as a craftsman or even more specifically as a stonemason. So he not only worked with wood, but he also worked with stone. He probably had a very chiseled body. He was very physically astute. And he was very good with his hands. I often imagine what it would have been like for Jesus to grow up in that context to often have wonderful conversations with Joseph. I also think Jesus is a lot more tougher 
than you think. He is probably a good physical specimen. Now, it says in Scripture that Mary and Joseph was betrothed. Now, that is a word that we don't really use in our day in our context, but in the Jewish marriage, there is a two-step process, and the first step is a 12-month of preparation physically as well as spiritually for the wedding day. Now, during that time, there would be no physical contact with her fiancé. There would be no sexual contact. And this was, in fact, very legally binding. And if they were to separate, they would have to legally seek a divorce. Now, it is during this phase that the angel Gabriel appears, and the angel is sent by God to Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to Joseph. And he starts off by saying, you are favored and loved by God. Just that word itself and that phrase itself garners some reflection on our part because it is the sign of the things to come. Why? Because God paying a visit to a lowly virgin girl, the mere age of 13, 14, 15, 16, or even 17 years of age, it probably means that God would visit some lowly people like ourselves. Do you know in the ministry that Jesus was actually doing in his three years or so of earthly ministry, his ministry was about inclusion, not exclusion. Jesus extended love where it wasn't expected, oftentimes to the social outcast. He included the excluded. Jesus cared for children. Oftentimes they were discarded, unimportant in that day in society, but he showed Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They understand because they have a childlike heart. Jesus often talked to sinful people, even a sinful woman. And that shows that he was never too high on his throne to meet people, commoners like ourselves. Jesus ate with a tax collector, the truly despised in society, the actual thief that was stealing from its own people, but he served and ministered and he actually ate with them. Jesus touched the bleeding women, people who were seen as unclean. He engaged with them. No one was too far or too dirty for him to deal with. Jesus spoke to a demon-possessed man in Scripture, and those who were ostracized and penned as totally lost, he sought out, not only saved them, but sent them off into their new calling. Jesus also drank water from the well with that woman. He broke all cultural and religious barriers, but he also destroyed all racial as well. Church, this is the God that we worship, and today as he visits through the angel Gabriel, we now understand that he would visit someone like ourselves. Oftentimes, he doesn't visit people because they are elite of any kind, or they have a claim to have done some powerful achievements He visits because he is a God who gives love and grace freely. Now, after hearing the introduction from the angel, what is Mary's response? How does she feel about all of this? Mary was literally freaked out. What does that mean? She says, how can I conceive? I'm a virgin. Then the angel says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And she says, how can this be even possible? I haven't known any man. I'm a virgin. A virgin cannot conceive a child. A virgin can't be pregnant. Now, the Greek rendering of the word virgin is the word uh, parthenos. And basically, it means someone who is a female virgin beyond puberty but not yet married, or in a figuratively sense, believers who are set to be pure. A virgin will be pregnant with child. Now, there is, uh, in the animal kingdom, um, a thing called parthogenesis. It's a reproduction without a male, and that's why the word parthenon comes from. But you know what? I would have been very much in the place where Mary was, and I would have asked, how is that even possible? I understand that those are the very messages of God, but I don't see that happening because here I am. I'm not married. I'm a virgin. I have not known any man. But church, if you think about it, this is a miracle. If you truly understand what God is doing, God is showing ultimate humility by entering himself into a single cell that became an embryo and became a fetus in the womb of a virgin girl. Now, if Jesus isn't born in this way, then he is not God. If he was born naturally, he would have been an illegitimate child, which means he is not God, and salvation would be a hoax because it hinges on the virgin birth. In Scripture, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The virgin birth isn't a myth. Imagine how she feels. She would walk out of that place knowing that there would be a soon bump on her stomach. She'd be accused of adultery. She knows that and says, may it be done to me as you have said. And the angel says, well, go and visit your relative. Elizabeth, who is old, who is barren, who could not have a child. And you often think, well, how old is old in Scripture? Is she 60 years old? And there are some ancient texts that says that she was probably in her late 80s. Now, why was that uttered? Because I believe what God wanted Mary to understand is the impossible does not matter because God can shatter all the impossible and make possible because he is the author of all this. Nothing is impossible with God, is what the angel said. Church, I wonder if some of us are in that frame of our life where we are in that stage and we often have grown so old that we can't imagine the impossible. That we often see ourselves saying, I'd rather choose the way that's more comfortable, that's more logical, that's more rational, because in reasoning point of view, that makes sense to me. That I will only throw my faith into something that is 100% sure in my mind. But God says he's the God of the impossible made possible. Now what can we learn in this text? Luke teaches us through the story of Mary That God doesn't bless people according to their age or their sex or their station in life. He blesses them according to his own good purpose. Grace is free and God has chosen to pour it out abundantly across the spectrum of humanity. Praise be to God. That's us. 
Faith is the right and pleasing response to God's promises. And as with grace, it, is, it isn't reserved to the spiritual elite, but oftentimes it is to those people who we least expect to be recipients of God's blessing, and they are, in fact, receiving it. Oftentimes, young women, children. Church, we ought to be praying, Father, in Jesus' name, grant us to have the faith in your gracious promises like Mary did. No matter will be impossible with God. Mary embraces the word that God has spoken, and Mary has wondered at Gabriel's greeting and questioned how such a thing could be since she was a virgin. That is her conception is almost inconceivable, but as her son would later explain, meaning Jesus, what is impossible with people is possible with God. You see, the maker of heaven and earth is not subject to the patterns of existence with which we mortals are often familiar with. She believes in the unbelievable, and God does what he has promised. A teenage virgin from the village of Nazareth responded with greater faith, and she becomes a model of discipleship for us even 2,000 years later. Gabriel's good news To Mary, virtually unbelievable, but she believed that even when God's message to us seems too good to be true, that he sent a Savior to deliver us from sin's penalty and from sin's power, that good news remains true because God is its author. Mary responds by saying, I'm here, the Lord's servant. Let it happen for me just as you have said. Literally, Mary says, may it be according to your word. And the the word word there is the Greek rendering of rima, which often is either a word or utterance. That suggests that Mary was not someone that would just accept things in that way, but she was someone who read the word who studied the word, and often saw in all the Old Testament promises that if ever a chance, like someone like myself, would ever be visited by God himself, I want to respond in this way. Although I do not conceive and fully understand, may it be so as you have done unto me. Verse 45, if you read a little bit, Further, it says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. See, Mary believed there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She wasn't praised for her faith in a set of doctrines or dogma, but rather she trusted in the word of God. She trusted God to keep his promises. This past week, my twins, who are in the same third grade class, came to me with a paper and pen. And one of my twins, I believe it was Eileen, said, Dad, I need you to write something down for me on the piece of paper. And I said, I need to know what you want me to write. And they told me this story. The story was in their class that they have a guinea pig. Guinea and pig should not ever go together in a sentence. And so I'm very suspicious already. Daddy, we have a guinea pig, and every single one of us are given the privilege of bringing this guinea pig home for the weekend. And I said, oh, that I need you to write down on a piece of paper that you promised to say yes to this guinea pig coming to our home for the weekend. 
And I said, okay. That it's not enough. I need you to write it down on a piece of paper. I told you, I said yes. No, it's not enough. I need you to write this down. So I wrote it down. Yes to the guinea pig coming to our home for the weekend. And then this is what they said after I did that. Daddy, you promised, and you can't take that word back because you wrote it on a piece of paper. And now I'm thinking, man, they have no faith in their dad. They don't trust me. How often and how frequent are they saying, Dad, you promised? Church, I often think we do that in our own spirituality. Yeah, we do know that the existence of God is real for some. And we receive these promises that are growing by the day, but oftentimes our mind wanders somewhere else and says, could this really happen to someone like me? I can't be that fortunate. I can't even be that lucky. I can see other people receiving it, but not me. And we constantly ask God, see, you promised, you promised. You know, what this text shows to me is this. Mary's faith is about something to come, not about something that has been done. It looks ahead. Nobody has seen it or witnessed it, but only thing that Mary has is to trust God. Because Mary knew of God and a bit of his plan, she would trust in him. Church, faith is an act of obedience to God. Faith is not primarily a function of how you feel, but faith is living out and believing what truth is despite how you feel. I believe faith stems from the hope we have in Christ. In God's word, hope is defined a little bit differently than what we define today. Hope is defined as great expectation while worldly hope leaves room for doubt. We hope for things, not knowing the outcome, but biblical hope knows the outcome, and our hope in Christ is secure, and there is no room for doubt. Our faith, then, is based on the secure hope in Christ, because we know we serve the God of the impossible. Church, I pray in this season of Advent that some of you would knock down the doors of impossibility and leave possible behind And you would roam around and play around and enjoy the realm of impossibility made possible because God said it so. God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as you read the Bible, you can't help but notice the many miracles that we often come across. Yes, Jesus did miracles throughout his ministry, but miracles has been present since the beginning of time. Noah. Abraham, Elijah, Jonah, Samuel, David, Daniel, Isaiah. These are just a few hundreds of people that have experienced it. Throughout the Old Testament, we experienced God's first-hand miracle. In fact, I'm not sure I can think of a Bible story that doesn't include the supernatural power of God. But as we hold on to this practice of waiting on the hopeful fulfillment of the promise... The hardest thing to do in our spiritual life is often waiting. No one likes to wait. I don't like to wait. I have to be honest with you. I have a hard time every time I imagine myself to going to Fred Meyer or Walmart or even Costco. And I often wonder, why must you have all those cash registers and not have people working there? Especially during the season of Christmas. I don't like to wait. Now, that doesn't mean our waiting is in vain. 
You see, when Abraham was promised a child in his old age, he and his wife waited a quarter of a century for God to fulfill the miraculous promise. Standing in faith is just standing strong until your miracle comes. The truth is that our faith isn't weakened during this time of waiting, but rather God uses his time to strengthen our faith. I have personally experienced this in my own life, and I've known others, and much I know for you as well have experienced the same. Standing firm in God's promises yields a reliance on him that only waiting can produce. You see, Mary hadn't seen the fulfillment yet, but there was a hopeful expectation of what was to come. And may it be done to me as you have said in your utterance to me. It is through waiting patiently in prayer that God prepares us for all that he has in store for us. Standing in faith when we face the impossible strengthens and prepares us for all God prepared for us in our lives. So we often say we should take a risk. Let's have faith. Let's have bold faith. Is faith worth the risk? Let me ask you in this way. Is anything we do for God a risk? If the Bible tells me to trust God in all things, that I serve a God who enjoys displaying his power in our lives, would it not be a greater risk not to have faith in God? 2,000 years later, we are still opening up our Bible stories and talking about this encounter that Gabriel had with a mere teenage girl. And she is a symbol of someone who had faith not holding on to what she has seen just yet, but holding on to the word of promise and knowing with expectation that with God there is no room for doubt. Church, I pray that we would learn from this young girl who was a virgin, betrothed to a carpenter, soon to have a child, and be ridiculed with all the social things upon her, pointed fingers her own way, but because she was holding on to the promises of God, she would be the happiness and the reference point of the blessing for all people to come. I pray that for you and that you would, in fact, leave the realm of possibility behind and walk into the realm of impossibility. And let's just see what our God can do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much in this season of Advent.